Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat, Love to speak with you guys. Love to hang out on the app chat and on the phone lines, as always. Got a lot to get into today. Uh, some news that is just, uh, it's its a couple hours old. The announcement was official. We were expecting it earlier this morning. You actually heard Moon talk about it this morning. Uh, Jeff Landry, his campaign is announcing that he has $8 million on hand. Jeff Landry uh, his campaign is announcing he has $8 million on hand. I believe based on what Jeremy Alford was saying this morning, about $6 million of that is directly in Landry's campaign account. The other $2 million coming in from outside groups and PACs. So that is a big showing of cash in this fundraising uh, cycle for Jeff Landry. And... Remember, last week, Stephen Wagaspak, he and his campaign were announcing uh, very loudly that he, he they'd raised $3 million. They had a big haul of $3 million, except only 900000 of that went to Wagaspak's personal campaign, his campaign account. The rest was in affiliated political action committees. For those of you who are new to the program Let me explain why that distinction is a big deal. In order to have, in order to run a successful campaign, you need money. We all know this. We all know that we're being hit up all the time for money to campaigns. In order to be able to run a campaign for a full campaign season, you need lots and lots of money. We're anticipating this being one of the most expensive gubernatorial campaigns in history. And we've been breaking that record for the last couple of gubernatorial races as is. But here is the important part. In order for your campaign money to go as far as possible, to stretch as far as possible, it is best, it is most efficient to have all of your money in-house in the campaign itself. It's nice to have money in PACs that are supporting you. It's nice for those PACs to be raising money to help support you, but your dollar doesn't stretch as far in a political action committee. The reason you need so much money is for advertising. Federal elections law, elections law as it stands right now, requires that media organizations give candidates the lowest ad rate possible. You can't upcharge them anything like that. But you can upcharge the PACs. The political action committees, the groups that are not candidates, they just support a candidate. So if you, like Stephen Wagaspak, have raised $900,000 for yourself and another $2.2 million for PACs that support you, 
The problem is your 2.2 million is not going to go as far as that 900,000. If all 3 million of that cash was in his campaign account, it would be able to stretch a whole lot further. This is going to be a campaign with a lot of advertising. A lot of money is going to be spent because everybody not named Jeff Landry is going to have to raise their statewide profile. And right now, Jeff Landry is basically monopolizing the donation money out there. If Jeff Landry is sitting on between six and eight million dollars in his campaign account, he can essentially drown out most of the other voices as it is right now. As it is right now, Jeff Landry can drown out Stephen Wagaspak, John Schroeder, Sharon Hewitt, Richard Nelson, even Sean Wilson. Now, just by sheer virtue of being the only Democrat in the race, Sean Wilson is going to get probably 35 to 40% depending on Democrat turnout in October. He, the, the Democrats have their candidate. If they can get people out to the polls, Sean Wilson is going to be in first or second place, but it depends on the Republicans. Now, there's no way Sean Wilson is going to get over 50% of the vote in this jungle primary that we have in Louisiana. He's just not. If he were to get 50% plus one, he would win without there being any sort of runoff. Except that's not going to happen. There are not enough Democrat votes out there, and Republicans are certainly not crossing the aisle for Sean Wilson. Not in large enough numbers to matter anyway. But a third of the state's voters are black voters. And another decent chunk are white Democrats. So let's just say of that third, let's say 50% turnout. Okay, not a terrible turnout for black voters in Louisiana. 50% turnout in a gubernatorial election. You would want more, obviously, but let's just say 50% turnout. Let's say 50% of white Democrat voters turned out you're looking at somewhere probably in the 30 to 35 percentile range. But consider how many more Republicans there are and how many more Republicans are motivated in this election cycle. Republicans are tired of losing gubernatorial races. Republicans are tired of what they're seeing on the national stage. Republicans are going to stand up and they are going to make a really big decision come this fall. They will be more motivated. They will get more voters out there. Chances are you will see the rest of that 60 or so percent of the vote come out in favor of the Republicans and more likely than not, the majority of it is going to go to Jeff Landry. Now that's as it is right now. There are several Republicans in the race Jeff Landry has the most statewide name recognition. He has won multiple statewide races. He has a higher profile than most other candidates in the race. He's going to, on name recognition alone, be well ahead of everybody else. But now he's sitting on six to eight million dollars just himself that he can use to drown out the other voices. 
by drowning out the other voices, by raising his own... He doesn't have to be negative. This is the thing. He doesn't have to be negative. Even if the other candidates are negative, he doesn't have to be. All he has to do is continue raising his profile with all of that money and just drown them out. His numbers go up. Could Jeff Landry get to 50% plus one? I don't think so. But I think that he will get a pretty good share. Definitely enough to make it into a general or runoff or whatever you want to call it in our system against Sean Wilson. The question will become, how does another Republican get into that runoff instead? Because I don't think that they're going to be able to beat Jeff Landry. If I, if I were running the campaign, my target would be Sean Wilson. I would want to get into that runoff with Jeff Landry. My goal would be to make it into make it to the second round. Okay? But I have to raise money personally for myself so I can compete. Right now, as it is, the buy-in to be competitive is about $6 million. Nobody else has that. Jeff Landry is the only one, and he's got that alone, not to mention the PACs. So there has to be a major fundraising drive from these, uh, for these other candidates to raise the money to compete against Jeff Landry. But you don't want to compete against Jeff Landry right up front. You want to go after the Democrat. You want to bring Sean Wilson down. You want to raise your profile above Sean Wilson and try to make it a Republican versus Republican runoff in uh, November. If I were a political consultant who has been hired by somebody who is not Jeff Landry, that would probably be how I do it. Now, you know, not too long ago when I was subbing for Moon, somebody accused me of being anti-Jeff Landry and, and, and talking about these opponents of Jeff Landry because I didn't want him to win. That's not the case at all. I'm telling you what the consultants for these candidates are thinking right now, what they're trying to figure out right now, what is the path forward. I suspect that there are some of them who think the path forward is to attack Jeff Landry, and all you're going to do is cause Republicans to stay home. And I don't think that's the right move for any of the candidates right now. You don't want to get your people to stay home. What you want is to get your people to show up and get the Democrats to stay home. If I were a consultant, that's going to be what I'm looking at right now. But I'm not a consultant. Frankly, I have very little care for consultants. But if I were the guy considering the strategy for this election, I would look at Jeff Landry's money and say, okay, I'm not going to compete by taking out Jeff Landry. I need to make sure these other guys don't get in. So I'm working particularly on Sean Wilson because I don't want the Republican base to stay home. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, well, let's go ahead and take this break. Your calls, your messages, all that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. So I, I realize that for some of y'all listening, you've heard me go over a lot of this before, but 
it's, it seems like every day I'm hearing from new people that they're listening. So I, I want to go over a lot of this that I've gone over before, especially now that we're talking about campaign finances, what this money is going to be used for. Jeff Landry sitting on this much money is inherently a good thing for local economy, but also for Jeff Landry's campaign. He does not have to be negative. If you're working with limited resources, you're going to try to go negative because your job is to make sure that nobody else can get any further ahead than you. If you're sitting on a lot of money, all you've got to do is raise your profile. The power of positivity will carry your campaign. Typically, in an election, you have a general election, or in many cases, the primary. Okay? In the primary, all you're doing is you're building up your profile. And so you spend your money with positive messages about you, your plan, your philosophy, all the everything that's great about you. You spend it to raise your profile, convince as many people to come to you as possible. After that, you have the runoff. Or in Louisiana's case, we have this jungle primary, then we have the general election. In the runoff or in the general election, that's when you start running the negative campaign. It's not because you're trying to keep people. uh, It's not that you're trying to convince people to leave the other side and come to you. You're trying to convince the other people to stay home. It's more or less legal voter suppression, negative campaign ads. And when you have this type of negative campaign going, You are going to get people on the other side to stay home. But the problem is, study after study shows that negative campaign ads also cause you to keep your voters home. Your voters get burned out on the negativity. They stay home as well. We in Louisiana are certainly aware of that. The negative campaigning against Ralph Abraham in the primary caused Republicans to stay home then and in the runoff between Eddie Rispone and uh, John Bell Edwards. So what the Republicans really have to avoid, and why I was saying they need to direct their fire on Sean Wilson, what the Republicans need to avoid is attacking each other. Because they're not going to bring just Jeff Landry's numbers down. They will also bring their own numbers down. You will shrink the Republican base that's going out to vote in the fall if you are only focusing your fire on your own party. But the consultants that are out there, and, and I've consult you those of you who've listened for a while, you know how I feel about consultants. Consultants forget this part, or they don't know it. They haven't paid enough attention to the data. The consultants that are out there really and truly believe that there is no negative or there's a, there's a minimal enough negative that they can get away with attacking their own side in the run-up to the jungle primary in Louisiana. But what ends up happening is that Republican voters just stay home. They don't come to vote for you because the other Republican sucks. They just stay home. Or they might switch Democrat because they're tired of the nonsense. So every Republican campaign of the five Republican candidates out there, Wagaspak, 
or the of the ones that aren't Landry. So you got Waggispack, Schroeder, uh, Hewitt, Nelson. Those four. What you've got to do is you've got to stay positive. You've got to raise as much money as possible. You've got to get your message out there as much as you can because you need two things. You need to get your numbers up and try to elevate yourself above Sean Wilson. And you need to be able to compete against Jeff Landry. If there really is enough of the anti-Jeff Landry vote out there, as everybody who's not in Jeff Landry's campaign seems to think there is, you need to be able to make it just you and Jeff Landry so that all of those people can consolidate around you. That's not going to happen in a, in a five-Republican primary. That's going to happen in a runoff. But I don't trust the Republicans and the consultants in this race to not screw this up for a third gubernatorial election in a row. All right, 232-1542, your calls, your messages, all that and more. Please reach out on the KPL app chat. I'll talk with you guys there. We'll be back on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the program and... So Joe Biden has not announced whether or not he's running for re-election in 2024. He says that he's going to run for re-election. He insists that he's going to, but there's been no formal campaign announcement yet. And it's causing Democrats some concern. Many Democrats right now are out there pointing out that by every conceivable metric, Joe Biden's reelection timeline is well behind where Barack Obama was at this point in his first term. Closed door meetings are underway as the Democrats are trying to figure out when Joe Biden is going to announce, where he's going to announce, how he's going to announce. He's refused to select a campaign chief. He will only discuss his reelection campaign with two of his his senior aides. In an awkward exchange last week with NBC, I'm planning on running, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. So again, he says, yeah, I'm going to run, but he's not saying when he's going to run. Originally, it was going to be shortly after Christmas to after the State of the Union to mid-spring to potentially as late as this fall. It's it's unclear why. We don't really know why he is waiting so long. But it is causing Democrats some concern. Maybe, maybe it is a problem with his age. At 80 years old, if he does announce now, that basically throws him into a very tough, grueling campaign uh, schedule between now and the election in 2024. 
He's got to basically campaign nonstop. Here's his biggest problem. At this point in their administrations, Barack Obama and Ronald Reagan had some issues in terms of their popularity. But they were still able to win re-election. In fact, Ronald Reagan came soaring back and had one of the biggest re-election wins of all time. Barack Obama came back and despite, in, in spite of the odds, came back and beat Mitt Romney, a, a, a emotionless cyborg of a candidate. There was no emotion or feeling in the Romney campaign. Had you found a candidate who had the ability to connect with human beings, things might have been different in 2012. Barack Obama was not very popular, but Barack Obama's biggest hindrance was behind him, and that was a poor economic situation. Simply by saying the recession was over, simply by acting like the recession was over or the recession was behind us and that we were getting back on track, Barack Obama was able to convince people that they needed to stick with him rather than go with the Republicans. For Joe Biden, where we're at right now, at this same point, Barack Obama was convincing America that the worst of the economic times were behind them. Right now, every conceivable metric indicates the worst is yet to come. He's still staring down a recession of some sort. Right now, it seems like every economist agrees that a recession is coming. We're squabbling over how intense it's going to be. Is the incoming recession going to be a big one? Is it going to be a mild recession? What's it going to be? The bigger problem is that the metrics that we're seeing of this particular recession, it looks like it's going to impact Democratic voters more, particularly upper-class, educated, liberal whites the very people that have been propping up the Democratic Party much more than some of the other demographics, those look like they're about to be the most impacted by an upcoming recession. So that's Joe Biden's biggest problem. And he has not even announced that he's going to be running for re-election. Politico suggests in a story out yesterday or today that Biden's 43% approval rating is a looming drag on his campaign. A deep dive into the numbers reveals Biden isn't just struggling with independence and near-unanimous approval among Republicans. He's also soft among Democrats and left-leaning demographic groups, a weakness that suggests a diminished enthusiasm for his candidacy, though something that could be papered over by partisan voting patterns in the general election. That is from Politico. From the New York Times, the basic blueprint for 2024 is the Biden campaign is expecting to build this idea is to compare him to the Dem to the Republicans. <clears throat> Joe Biden is going to make his campaign all about, well if it's not me, look who you got. That's not a viable campaign strategy. Remember what I was talking about in the first half of the show. 
if at this point you are considering going negative out the gate against the Republicans, it means you are going to not only try to wear down your own, I mean, the the Republican uh, base voters, you're going to be signaling to your own to stay home, whether you intend to or not. By going negative out of the gate, if he's going to make this all about, well, the Republicans are worse than me, then what he's going to do is he's going to tell Democrat voters, I don't have a reason for you to vote for me. I don't have any reason for you to vote for me. And that's a big sign that the Biden team knows there's not a lot for him to run on. They will try. They will try to spin as much as they can. But he does not have a very big platform to stand on right now. He can spin as much as he can, but if he is unable, if he is unable to convince his own voters to turn out, the Republicans have a big advantage in 2024. And the Republicans can run, well, look at the alternative to us. Look at what they've been doing while they're in charge. See, the Democrats won in 2020 because Donald Trump's campaign was, look at the alternative to me. And what happened there? What happened in 2020? Republicans lost because they didn't offer a plan for why to vote for them. All they offered was, we're not the Democrats. I'm not Joe Biden. I am somebody who's getting out there. I represent you, blah, blah, blah. Even though everything around me is burning to the ground, I'm attacking everybody else. That was Trump's campaign strategy. And there were some good things to come from the Trump administration. But because he was running in attack mode from the get-go, he never really convinced people why he could be the better person for the job. And I know some of you don't want to hear that, but that is what happened. He had no clear campaign message other than constantly attacking everybody else. People did not get much of a reason why to vote for Trump. They were just getting reasons why not to vote for Democrats. Now it's Joe Biden's turn, and he's doing the same thing. But Biden's plans in the White House have so far been to basically attack the middle class while saying he's attacking the rich. Take, for example, this electric vehicle debacle that they are once again pushing. The new proposal from Biden's administration will take electric vehicles making up about 6% of the cars sold today to 67% in just nine years. You know why that's a problem? We don't have the materials for that. We don't have the power grid for that. And American families don't have the capital for that. American families will not be able to afford that. And you can say anything you want about tax credits, but nobody has the money at that moment to make that purchase to wait however many months for the next tax date so they can get a rebate a couple weeks later from the government for buying an electric vehicle. That's not how this works. That's not how American family income works, how American family expendable money works.
So Joe Biden, his administration is continuing to push the environmentalism stuff. But he's got no plan for winning over moderates and independents and even trying to bring over the Trump skeptical Republicans. He's got no plan for growing his base. All he has is a way to solidify the Democratic base and hope everybody else is too depressed. I don't think that's a good strategy. I don't think that's going to work. From a purely analytical, nonpartisan perspective, I don't know how you can take what's, you can take the conditions on the ground right now, take where your administration has gone, play only to your base, and come out with a win in 2024. Joe Biden was able to win because people were tired of the alternative, and so they went with him. He will not be able to maintain that in 2024 when everybody is exhausted with his policies and how negatively they have affected everything else in the country. There's a story out today uh, from the Wall Street Journal. The G7, the, the, uh, the group of seven nations of the West that are economic leaders are now considering, hmm, maybe we need to break away from Chinese independence. You know what? Donald Trump said that. And when Biden came into office, he undid everything that Donald Trump said or did out of pure spite for Trump. Only here we are now, a couple years later, and Joe Biden realizes, oh, we've got to break away from uh, China. But he's not going to do anything. See, right now, the energy is one of the big things. Russia, China, Russian oil is hot right now. Everybody can buy it cheap. Uh, the uh, the Saudis, everybody else, they're buying cheap Russian oil and using that while drilling their own oil and selling it at a premium on the market to everybody else. We could be undercutting Russian oil and gas right now if we were energy independent. We were net exporters, but we're not because the Biden administration came in, undid all the work to make us energy independent and focused entirely on trying to save the planet. With these plans that do not work and do not have any reasonable expectation of working. We could be energy independent. We could be undercutting Russian oil and gas. We would not have the dollar threatened as a reserve currency for most of the world. But because Joe Biden has not been tough on China, because he has made us net importers of energy instead of net exporters of energy, we're now behind and China is making a global financial economic block. And the Biden administration is helping to fund or helping to create a whole new economic crisis on the world stage because now there are two spheres of economic influence, the U.S. and its allies and China and its allies. And that is not stable. That is a destabilizing financial situation. The International Monetary Fund is warning that this would be bad for the global economy. We're already looking at a recession, and now Joe Biden is, has essentially allowed China to make it worse because he has not been tough on them because he has weakened the American economy by focusing on extreme partisan issues instead of focusing on what's good for the American people. But Joe Biden has not announced whether or not he's even running for re-election, so maybe it's a moot point. Maybe another Democrat's going to have to come in and fix it. I think he still runs, 
but he's going to be at a severe disadvantage. He's going to be announcing late. He's not going to have the energy to campaign well. He's going to be back in the basement campaigning again, and that only works against one guy, and it may have only worked in 2020. We'll see. 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Your messages to the KPL app chat as well. We'll be back in just a moment right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation uh, or send a message through the KPL app. Now, we do have Joey reaching out through the app. We also have posted on our Facebook page. Uh, Joey letting us know, and another listener have let us know, there uh, appears to be a bad wreck on Highway 90 in Broussard at Morgan Street. It's right in front of the shop right there. Uh, Looks like from the pictures that a mail truck uh, was involved. So be careful in that area. Uh, You know, drive safe out there, man. Um, We will keep an eye on that, let you know of any updates that are coming along through there. Uh, Chris on the app chat uh, not a conspiracy person, but do you think that Biden's actions are intentional due to financial ties with China? I mean, that's a possibility. Never say never. I think, Chris, though, never attribute to a conspiracy theory what you can absolutely attribute to incompetence, which has been the uh, that has been the standard operating procedure for the Biden administration. Just straight up incompetence and, and ignorance on how a lot of these issues actually work. Uh, the Biden administration came in with clearly no idea how the economy works, clearly no idea how the oil and gas industry works. Uh, you know, come in and question, you know, you say you're going to put your foot on the throat of the oil and gas companies and then complain when they're not opening up, when, when they're not drilling on uh, American leases. Uh, you know, it, it's absurd the the level of just ineptitude that the Biden administration has. And yes, to be wrong every single time is something you almost have to work for. But I really think it's genuine, honest ignorance of how the world actually works. These are a group of people that are purely theoretical partisan activists who see no real application of what they're preaching for. We've never actually seen it work anywhere, and yet they keep calling for it, thinking that this time it will be different. There is, uh, from Bloomberg, it's behind a paywall. I can't pull it up right now because we're at the end of the show, but there's a study from Bloomberg. Only 10 electric vehicles qualify for the full $7,500 tax credit. I told you guys about that back when the Inflation Reduction Act was passed. That... Virtually no cars on the market in America act you could actually get the tax credit for because they didn't meet the standards that were written in that law. And so it becomes a bureaucratic nightmare. The bureaucracies have to change all the rules on this, but the bureaucracies, they can't change the rules too much because they'll get slapped down by the Supreme Court for doing that. It is just absolute ignorance of how things like the economy and like these industries work but the Biden administration does not seem to get it. All right, you guys, have a fantastic one. Good to be back. I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. I did. Glad to be back here today. I'm going to be back in 23 hours. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at RedState.com. As always, reach out through the KPL app chat 
Love checking that even after the show is over. You can find the podcast version of the show at joecunninghamshow.substack.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure that you rate and review it if you get it through a podcast app like on Apple or wherever. I'll be back tomorrow. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.